The following is Tim Keynes' talk, Designing the Mobile Wallet, from the 2012 Information Architecture Summit. The 2012 IA Summit podcasts are brought to you by User Interface Engineering and the UIE Virtual Seminar Program. Stay tuned after the podcast for a special offer from UIE. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and get started, I think. Thanks ever so much for being awake and being sat down and turning up. It was a struggle, I know. I'm here. So I'll go reasonably quickly through the stuff I have here. I said that as something as a personal challenge for you to keep up. I will be posting these slides out after the event, but if you've got any questions after I speak today, do feel free to follow me up. I will crack on. So this is about designing a mobile wallet. This is my experience with going through a process with a client in terms of our engagement, the process we went through, what worked well, what didn't work well, and what actually came out of it at the end. Don't get too excited at the beginning. You'll understand why when we get right to the end. So a little bit about me. This is me. I do some of this stuff. I come from the UK. You can probably tell you haven't met me already. And I work for these people, Flow Interactive. Now, some numbers for you. Apparently, about over half or twice the number of the world, whatever that number means, has a mobile phone, right? No, so we all have a mobile phone. We've all got one of these, you know. Everybody in the room has one of those, at least one of those, I'm sure. Now, apparently, about that many people in the world also have a wallet, or something like a wallet, something which looks a bit like this. You carry around and have some money in. Now, there is some people in the world, I think it's about 0.004% who thinks that really it would be a fabulous idea if these things were the same thing, right? You've got your mobile phone, you've got your wallet, you carry those things around with you all the time. Wouldn't it be fabulous if those things were the same thing together? You know, imagine if you don't have to carry these two things around. All you need to do is kind of wrap them up a little bit, and it's with you wherever you go, right? Brilliant. What an excellent solution that is. Now, the question is, who are that 0.004% who really think that this will change your life? Now, it's the usual suspects, really. It's the carriers. It's the carriers. It's the handset providers, it's the banks, it's the mobile payment systems folks. And it's all the people that kind of own, and these, these nice people, it's all these people who own this kind of infrastructure that if we bring all this stuff together, kind of can make the solution work. So they are building partnerships, are invested in each other to try and get this platform off the ground because, you know, they really think there's an opportunity there for us to enrich our lives and for them to maybe get a little bit of money. But really, the vision for this, is it useful? Is it something that's going to really change our lives? Well, I can tell you the vision that these folks have for how it would enrich our lives and make everything easier and better for us. Fabulous. Point of sale. She's really happy with the saves she's made on her mobile. These all come from the videos on the sites that are selling this stuff, right? So she's really happy with the purchase. She's gone in. Now this. She's really, really happy. She's just had a customer come through, contactless payment on her mobile phone. Everything is swimming. Couldn't be better. Now this guy, 
he's just made a payment in a taxi. Absolutely ecstatic. You know, this process could not be better. Now, if you're going to take this technology into the coffee shop, for example, make a payment there, obviously, that is extraordinarily good because this is a fabulous experience. Look at just how pleased she is with this process. And then, well, there's this, and I have no idea what this is. This is just some kind of orange thing, which is doing stuff. This is another vision for the future. I'm not sure what this is all about. But this is what they say about this vision of the future, right? If that wasn't enough, paying with your mobile looks pretty cool, too. Not my words, their words. So take from that what you will. But in the real world, if we're using this kind of strung together device to make payments, what might that look like as a user experience? If we're designing for this process, we're designing for the experience, what kind of things do we really need to understand, to be aware of, if we're going to go into the process of actually making this work for people? Well, first off, through the tests that we've done, folks just don't understand what this thing is. You know, they don't know what a mobile wallet platform looks like, how it works, what the virtual payments look like. They don't really understand the concept of the thing in the first place. So that's a hard sell for us, as we're trying to understand what user needs and user behaviors are. And then right now, in general, there's a bunch of really difficult and onerous setup, registration, activation tasks, which are mainly driven by the platform and the provider and the infrastructure they have to put all these things together, which is a really frustrating experience for folks when they just want to try and get off the ground with this thing. And there's this, which is the kind of the doom factor behind mobile payments, right? Some of you may have done this already. We don't have much of it in the UK at the moment, but really it's that it's that point at which you commit to a transaction when you're trying to make a payment and you're not really quite sure what's going to happen next and you think this is going to work. Well, you may be in the front of the queue at Starbucks or you may be in the front of the queue somewhere else and everybody's, obviously everybody's watching to make sure that you do this right. So there's a little bit of a fear factor going on here for folks about how you just even use this technology. And there's a security concern as well. And all of the people we spoke to had a really big fear about this contactless payment method and the kind of security concerns about people swiping past you. So in terms of understanding all these points of contact and these behaviors and usage patterns, would it be really easy enough to just summarize this challenge in a pithy couple of slides? Well, of course it would. So there's two ways to, to approach the design, two kind of two emerging ways that mobile wallets seem to be being put together. One is there's a complicated and simple route whereby it starts off really hard, but then it gets a little bit easier to use. And the next is the simple and complicated route, whereby we make it really easy for people to sign up and engage and register with this program, but we make it a little bit more difficult for people to transact. So really, complicated and simple is about registration-heavy implementation. Capture all this detail up front. Now, folks who like capturing this kind of data, they really like this because they want to know everything about you before you use the service, right? But the simple and complicated one, this is really registration light. So I think this is the way Google kind of does it. They already know everything about you. They can really get you into the system really quickly. And you're already in the ecosystem. What they then do is make it quite difficult when you make transactions because they ask you for lots of numbers and pins and specifying virtual cards and all this kind of stuff, which makes the transaction a little bit more painful. Now, the trouble is, as a user experience designer, when you come into a project like this, you determining how that looks for a specific mobile wallet deployment that choice isn't yours, because that choice has already been made. Now, the reason that choice has already been made is because the infrastructure is already there, the providers, 
and the suppliers and the carriers and the financial services and the fulfillment services and the partners and the partners and partners, they already have their component parts of this solution in place. So in this case, and I'll talk through it in a moment, when a carrier, for example, comes up and says, we want to develop a mobile wallet solution, it's not really as simple as that. To them, it's quite simple, but in terms of the component parts you have to work with to try and make a good user experience, it's a bit of a disastrous experience, to be honest, for us. So by way of illustrating just how that looks and how painful it can be, I've got a small design story to tell you about a mobile wallet project that I worked on very recently. So they wanted a mobile phone, they came to us and said, we'd really like a mobile wallet. Can you do that for us? So we thought, great, so this sounds like a really interesting project, right? It's got all the component parts of something that user experience folks like to do, it's got mobile, it's got lots of context of use, it's got all sorts of interesting bits that we can put into it. So obviously as a design agency, we said, that's great. You know, we've got some methods and practices that we can use to try and get you there. You'd like some immersion, right? So we'll go in, we'll understand the user's context of use, we'll do everything about that just to really understand and understand the background and the competitive analysis. We'll do all that stuff to try and just understand the living playing field. And we'll do a bit of ideation, you know, we'll actually say, we'll do some whiteboards, we'll, we'll kind of understand what the user journeys are and how that works. And we'll also, you know, we'll put together some prototyping so we can really get this in front of the users and see what they think and see which processes work and what doesn't and what the detail of some of those pieces are. And we'll do execution. We can do the detail design. We can do the style guides. We can hand this stuff over to implementation partners. We can go the whole way. And we can give you some Venn diagrams if you want. If you really want to discuss what this looks like, that would be fabulous. Um, and we can give you the moon on a stick if that would really help as well because, you know, we're fabulous. No, they didn't actually want any of that. They just said, can we just have a mobile wallet, please? So that was a little bit of a letdown at the beginning because we didn't really have full reign over kind of the experience. We didn't really have control over what the entire experience looked like from a customer point of view. So obviously I was a little bit sad about that in terms of it being kind of a meaty project to get into. But we said, no, that's fine, we can carry on then. So based on you just having stuff that we need to kind of all stitch together in the best way possible, what kind of stuff do you have? Do you have anything that you're working on at the moment? So you had a few bits and pieces which they kind of brought to the table in terms of the kind of things that we've already got, which are out there, infrastructure partners and all that kind of stuff, which we need to kind of rely on and put together to make sure it's a good deliverable for our stakeholders and partners. So we said, oh, okay, so that's really exciting. So thanks, thanks for that, because you know, that really is gonna make my job a whole lot easier, of course. Still, we say you've committed to us as an agency, we'll come in, we'll do the work, and we'll see where that goes, and we can all be successful, I'm sure we can. So in terms of how we, took this project forward. This is John. So John is one of my colleagues. John's a great guy. He's a very good thinker. He's very good at conceptualizing these kind of ideas. So together we did a bit of immersion. Now we really wanted to try and understand based on these contexts of use, all these things that we talked about before, the usage patterns, how people you know, feel about the concept of this, how they might use this in the real world. We, we really took some time to try and understand this. We also referred back to what other folks are doing. So we got competitive analysis, we went out to the marketplace to see what other providers or other solutions were out there to see what was, you know, what, what were the best bits, what could we take away, what was really good about those. And we also were really lucky in that they had all this stuff to bring to the table with us. So they actually had defined the solution already through various multiple agency engagements over the last six months or a year. So this is great, you know, all we have to do is take all this shit and put it back together again in a way which might work for somebody. 
So that was obviously really fabulous. We're really getting into the project by then. So then we did some ideation. So you know, we tried to understand what the, those customer journeys looked like. We kind of mapped it out as closely as we could. Based on the kind of the immersion phase, we tried to really understand what a good user journey through the system would look like. And then we did start on just trying to get some of this stuff on the wall, you know, flesh out some of those concepts, see what it looks like, and see if anything meaningful came out of it that we could use. But obviously, I had to put a slide in with sketches and sharpies in, so this really describes the process that we went through just to see how that might manifest in terms of a physical design. And we even snuck in some envisioning. You know, we were lucky enough to obfuscate our project plan and just put some things in which we thought were really going to be useful, whether I knew we were doing them or not, because that seemed the only way that we would be successful. So obviously, we put some stuff together in terms of prototyping, just to see if any of this stuff could be put in front of users. We could get really useful feedback on it. I'll come back to the actual thing in a minute, because that's important. Bear with me on that one. And we had a couple of platforms that they wanted to go after. They wanted to get this out on Android to start with because they had the NFC-enabled phones which could make this happen. That's not an NFC-enabled phone, but that's the picture I had, so bear with me on that one. They also wanted to do it on BlackBerry, so they wanted to do it on the two newer models coming out in the UK, new BlackBerry models which are NFC-enabled, so they really wanted to make sure they had coverage across as much of the device marketplace as they could have. Now, a couple of challenges in terms of those devices. The Android device was quite simple. You know, the form factor was good, the screen size was predictable, and it was just a touchscreen screen. So, you know, we kind of knew what to do about that. BlackBerry screens were a little bit more complicated because the two models were one touchscreen full screen and one this kind of form factor, which is touchscreen and keypad and trackpad. So in terms of having the one solution which worked for all these, you know, that was looking a bit precarious, to be honest, from the outset. Um, what that meant, is that particularly in terms of the multiple input and output methods for the Blackberries, I had to go and look at these, which obviously is a great joy, um, which meant I had to look at things like this, which is obviously really fabulous in terms of just understanding capabilities, dimensions, and all that kind of thing. If I never have to deliver anything for Blackberry again, I'll be really very happy because that was a really torturous process. And obviously there was more of this involved. It was just really quite hard. As we went, progressed into the program, my colleague Mara, who also works with me over in the UK, we went in and did some testing. So we actually put some designs together. We had some working concepts and some prototypes. We were then ready to go into a, a testing phase just to see what folks thought about this. Now, we have a reasonably good setup in our office. We have discovery rooms, we have labs, so we can take folks into. So the setup was really quite well used. We had all the stuff we could track, the usage on the mobile, record the video on that, and have folks. And so we had a really good setup to be able to do this. And the scenario that we had put together was really quite a simple one. It's just the basic usage pattern for the mobile wallet. When you go through the registration process, try and get to a point where you can do a transaction, run through that transaction, and then let us know how that looks. And we do the same for the BlackBerry as well, which was a kind of a different approach, as it turns out, because the, the hand, obviously the limitations, or I say limitations, but the features 
of the devices and handsets meant that those results were really quite different in terms of the outcomes. So we constructed what we thought was you know, really quite meaningful and quite a good set of tasks. We tried to set kind of a context of use at the beginning just to make it meaningful to folks. And we really tried to make sure that most of the respondents that we had into the testing really had no exposure to this at all. I mean, they all had mobile phones, right, because 254% of the population has a mobile phone anyway. But as I'll come to in a second, just the scenario, just the device, and just the usage patterns really made it quite difficult for folks to just understand what was going on at all. So what does that involve? Well, really, there's lots of registration-heavy stuff at the beginning, because the particular carrier that we were working with on this project had one of those complicated to simple processes. And the reason they had that is because they had delivery partners, they had stakeholders, they had fulfillment models, they had legislative restraints in terms of financial terms and what they were able to capture. They had third-party platforms which were doing the data capture piece. They had you know, partners delivering the back-end process. They had different versions of partners. They had partners of partners. There's you know, a multitudinous people involved in terms of the actual infrastructure that supported this. So going through that registration process as a user in a test condition was really quite an onerous task. So there was a lot of tapping going on in that state. One of the practical things that came out of that testing session, particularly on the Android session, was we used actually 5.6 to put these prototypes together, which looked good. They looked fabulous. They fit the screen perfectly. But when we went into the testing, what we didn't know, what we do know now, is that if somebody taps on the piece of the screen that you didn't really want them to tap on, Android is really clever and just says, you want to zoom in and out of this thing. So as we were going through the testing, poor old Mara was sat in the room with these folks and they were kind of tapping on the wrong piece of the screen and our prototype was just zooming in into a little box in the corner and so we would have to lean over the respondent and say, oh, excuse me, can I just sort this out? And she would ping it out and it would zoom up to about a million times the sizes and so it went all the way out to this kind of view here. And so in terms of actually doing the practical testing and getting the prototyping set up and getting this thing working, we had a few annoyances. Now, that was actually a 5.6. Let's just let us some of that, obviously. What we didn't know then, what we do know now, is that you can really do something about that in terms of the practical prototyping piece. As long as you're really and you can do this in Axio 6 now, by the way. You just, there's an option in the dialog when you generate the prototype to say, set the viewpoint, set the viewport characteristics. Because this was kind of a rapid prototyping thing, we could, between sessions, go out, make changes to the prototype, come back in and fix that. What that meant was, because we were doing this on 5.6, we had to go out, load the prototype into 6, which we just got because this became apparent, make that change, republish, regenerate the prototype, put it on a web host server, and generate and run the test. To the respondents, all transparent, of course. Behind the scenes, fucking panic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, just a disaster area, really. So my takeaway from that, in terms of doing the mobile prototype testing, is set your viewport. That's critical. So if you don't do that, you're just prone to error. Now, the second part of the task, which was after the registration process, when we got those folks engaged with the handset and into the process, we asked them to imagine, well, we didn't ask them to imagine, we asked them to actually try and 
commit to a transaction with the device. And so we didn't actually have any point of sale terminals or anything which would actually make this NFC action actually happen. We had to pretend this was happening slightly. So it's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief for these users. And I think it probably looked a little bit like a cardboard box that they were taking this mobile phone up to and trying to do this kind of fearful transaction. They were pretty good about it. They mostly suspended disbelief. And Mara is very good at kind of describing the outcomes. Now, we mocked up screens which had those countdown timers, a little bit like Mission Impossible. You know, you've got 27 seconds to comply. But they got a, bit, a little bit freaked out by that, I'll, I'll be honest. But as it went through, that part of that kind of transactional piece, we got really good feedback on how that works and kind of what that fear factor looks like, what the user behavior looks like, and you know, just what you need to do in terms of the designing the interface to make that feedback loop really positive so that they'd have the confidence to go ahead with that. So the outcome of that was really useful. After we'd done the test, well, we asked them to kind of draw what they'd just done. We asked them to sketch out the experience they'd had with this registration and transaction process. That was about the best one, if I'm honest. That's kind of how they really saw the whole experience. And in general, when we asked what their honest experience about it, because we were impartial, right? we were unbiased, they said, yeah, it's all right. But I'm not really sure what I just did. This is the important thing, because obviously in the testing environment, there's kind of an artificial environment. They're just following process. They're really just going through the motions, because it's a kind of safe, secure environment. I mean, critically, they just didn't understand the concept. You know, right back at the beginning when we figured one of the really challenging things about a mobile wallet is just understanding what that is and what that means. That was really apparent at the end. They were going through the process of the registration piece and the transaction piece, but they hadn't really understood the concept of a mobile wallet at all. Now, there's interesting, should I say, features of current mobile wallets out there, which are things like the virtual money, virtual cards, just how your money apparently seems to exist on this device, although it actually lives over here in a merchant system or actually lives over here in a banking system. One of the things we really struggled with was representing what kind of money you have here, what you're spending, how that really affects you, what the security model around that looks like, because you can only have a limited amount of money on the device itself. And people just really didn't understand that. And we found it really hard, or we really struggled on the interface to just really describe to people what the current state was and what was going on. It wasn't as simple as just saying your balance is X, Y, or Z, because that balance isn't a real balance. You know, it really depends on where that money is held, what kind of virtual account you have. And one of the biggest challenges when we went to the transaction piece was when we tried to describe what the outcome of that action was in terms of where the money came from, what you'd actually spent, what your safeguards were. They really misunderstood that as well. It seemed simple to us to say, you've spent some money with the virtual money here, and at some point in the future, because this is how it happens, your phone will sync up with the account on the back end, and that money will be taken out here. That's how that was set up. But as far as users are concerned, there's money here and they spent it and it's come out of an account somewhere. They just really struggled with the concept about how that happened. So off the back of that testing, which is good feedback, but it wasn't great feedback. And so we had a meeting back up with the client and said, you know, this is good. This is really helps us understand future direction, helps us understand what you might need to do next with this. We did put together some 
deliverables to go back into them to say, let's work together. Here's some stuff that we can do to take it into a visual design. Maybe we can do another round of testing. Maybe we can be really more well-defined around what some of the elements of the page look like. They quite liked these specs. They took them back in-house and they said, thank you very much. That's really good. I think we'll be able to work on this some more in the future. What actually happened to that stuff is it went into the kind of corporate black hole. They took that away. They eventually paid us. And we've heard nothing else since, really, because the trouble that they have on their end is because that infrastructure is so disparate and so complicated, and they don't even own the own bits of their infrastructure. You know, there's multiple versions of platform here. And as we were in the room saying, oh, well, how can we take this forward? And they were saying, well, that bit there that you've just defined, we like that, but I don't think that's going to happen because we, the people over here are changing the way that that infrastructure piece works. So, and we don't even own that. So we were on a hiding to nothing to come up with an overall solution which they can map onto a business plan and then take forward into execution. Because all this stuff, which underlies their delivery mechanism, is just that it's amorphous mess of stuff which they don't even control. So, what, if anything, I learned about that? Well, other than the fact that I think I would not do one of these again if somebody asked me, because I just think you don't have an opportunity to really step back and understand at a conceptual level what you can do in this space because the constraints are so great and the infrastructure is so deeply ingrained in terms of the partnerships and the implementation pieces that they already have, the best you can do is take what they have and put it together in a way which is as good as it gets. You, know, you don't really have an opportunity as a user experience designer to say, we think from a user perspective this really makes a difference or this is really what supports their needs and behaviors. You just can't go there because it's just never going to happen in terms of the way the infrastructure is set up. Unless you are really changing the game somehow and you own or develop a technology which enables this to happen and you own their whole ecosystem around it. Now, there's no folks in the UK that does that right now. So we're really stuck in terms of the carriers, the banks, Visa, MasterCard, Orange, O2, all these people that are developing these own solutions. We're really stuck with what they have and there's nobody coming from the wings that's saying, let's change the way this looks. Now, the landscape in the US might be slightly different. There may be people coming through which have a slightly different approach, slightly different way to do this. And I'd love to be involved in those projects, but I'm not able to because I'm based in the UK. So, the biggest issue, really, as I mentioned before, is just about the barrier to understanding. So when we're talking about the user experience design, really cracking that nut in terms of enabling users to really simply understand what the concept of the wallet is and the usage model. If we can do that up front and make that really obvious to folks, that's a really good thing. I don't know what that looks like because I tried a couple of things and they kind of worked, but they weren't that great. So if we can understand the concept model and how we can get users to really understand that, I think that's the biggest barrier we have, to be honest. Now, if we understand much better conceptually what that model piece is, that really helps us develop the context of use for the mobile wallet, because if we get past that barrier, we can really then understand from a user perspective what those best journeys are, those ideal customer journeys are, which make the mobile wallet usage much more deeply involved. And I think it's really only then, once we've understood those two things, which 
you know, really, really difficult, really big things to understand, right? And I think there's lots of work I could do or others could do just in this area just to really get those things to a point where you can evangelize them and use them. There's only when you really, really get good feedback and understand those that we can design systems on mobile what it, which give users just the confidence to go ahead, transact, commit, and just understand the system so that the usage model is uh, easy. Now, that would come with a bad system through usage anyway. You know, if, if you really opted into a solution from Orange, O2, Virgin, because you happen to have that handset, you happen to be with that carrier, that may be a solution which just is part of the plan. You might get the mobile wallet solution, you may get an upgrade to a handset, which just enables that to happen. And I think then, there'll be a fair degree of success with people just working it out for themselves, right? So I think the larger corporations which are doing that are going to have to rely on that. They're just going to have to rely on an uptake which is based on guesswork as much as anything. We can help them with that, but I, I really still think that we're so hamstrung in terms of the infrastructure that it's going to be really difficult to do. I'm, you know, personally, from a personal point of view in terms of the project, I had wished that it was much more open and much more conceptual in terms of the approach we could take. We did do the, the conceptual thing, but at each level of us recommending some kind of method or approach to this, as we had those client meetings, it was really apparent that we're just not going to go there. You know, in terms of the, the setup they already had, they just really couldn't support new ideas in terms of the mobile wallet design. So that was disappointing for us. But in the end, I think what we just took away from it was this is like any of those large infrastructure projects, right? It looks like a small thing. It looks like a handset. It looks like, you know, a really simple interface. But that's actually not the thing you're designing against. You've got best practice and methods to do there. But without being cognizant of all this stuff which lies underneath, you know, you're really going to struggle to make that thing all hang together. So mobile wallets, fantastic idea, right? Everybody wants one. If you get asked to be involved, just be wary, and I hope some of this would be useful in terms of understanding just where those pitfalls might be. So that's all I had to talk to you about today, so thank you very much for coming. I could probably take questions if anybody has questions. But yeah. Hi, thank you, Nadine Schaefer. I am also working on a financial services project right now, and the greatest concern to my stakeholders is security, 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 security. And I'm wondering, when you actually did user testing, because I haven't made it there yet, how much of a concern was that to your users? Yeah. And what were you able to do in terms of affordances in the application to ameliorate and assuage their fears? Uh, yeah, so the question was about security in terms of how you can represent that in terms of describing that to users and testing that or even suggesting remedies for that. I think it was really hard because they had such an ingrained notion that this payment method was going to be ripe for abuse. So they nearly all shared the concern when we asked them at the beginning what they thought that context of use was like. They were petrified, frankly. You know, they just thought, money on my phone, someone's going to steal it. It was black and white. You know, somebody somehow is going to get into my phone like they do to steal all my data. You know, none of this is necessarily true. But the perception was, from a security point of view, they were just wide open. 
you know so in terms of describing what that looks like in terms of the constraints on like that you can only have 15 pounds in the uk in terms of real money on the phone so if somebody does actually see all your phone they could only ever take up to 15 pounds anyway because that's from a uk perspective legislatively financial services determine that that's the amount of money you can have on a mobile wallet so the, the people who, you know, like the carriers and the, the other people who design these things, and not, that's not up to them. That's been designed by the Financial Services Authority. Um, but that's really boring, right? You know, so that's not what you tell the users. You just say, no, it'll be fine. But because it's NFC, NFC being the thing, they really just think people are going to walk up to them in the street and do this. And they might. They might, right? Um, NFC's got a set of protocols which say you can, if your phone has to be on, you have to be within like kind of three centimeters and it has to be an active process. You can't just passively walk past people and do that. But I read something yesterday which said people can actually do that. You know, that's precisely what people can do now. You can, you know, with contactless payment cards, you just get the RFID thing going and you just download all the data. I don't think you can download the money, but you can certainly download stuff. So we couldn't really test it. We couldn't, we couldn't show how that would work. We could only really describe it in terms of the physical handset and actually what the restrictions on that were. They felt a little bit more comfortable about it then. But really, I think all the people we spoke to, that was their primary concern. Somebody's, if I've got a mobile wallet, somebody's going to steal my money. And that was it, really. Greg Lindman, Design Caffeine. I was going to say, it matches very well with kind of my experience on the ground working in similar projects just in terms of confusion and the concerns. I'm curious if you actually tested the setup or the transaction itself. And if during the transaction, I think one of the things with Google Wallet that I noticed is it doesn't set good defaults. So I wondered if you talk a little bit about that, like a default card or all that. And then yeah. the other question was whether a better model, if you did test setting up on the phone, versus setting it up on your computer, but then using it on your phone. Yeah. Sort of like an iPod type iTunes scenario. So thank you. Yeah, so in terms of the testing, the way that this particular client was set up, that infrastructure determined that we had a complicated and then simple model. Was their process was capture everything. So they had a massive registration process where you do personal details, you do an activation key, you do a pin, you do another pin, you know, you verify that PIN, that sends off to somebody else, and that sends an SMS text message back to say, we've got that first one. This is like some time later. Yeah, go off and then register this one, then come back, and then you can actually start using it. But you're not actually into the wallet until you've done a day's worth of registration, pretty much, in terms of time elapsed. So we had to test that because that's what their system was. So. 80% of the testing was about going through that hideous registration process just to see if that would work, which was pretty soul-destroying, right? Because you just watched people fail. When it got to the transaction piece, that was more interesting because we could, it was much more engaging in terms of a real-world process. People understood that. But again, our hands were tied slightly in terms of making that a meaningful thing because it wasn't a real, we couldn't even mock up a real transaction. We could only really pretend, just put the dummy screens up and say, yeah, and imagine if you did that, 27 seconds later, you'd see this screen. But that was disjointed, you know, in terms of uh, an experience. It wasn't, they couldn't see something happening. And crucially, 
in terms of the transaction piece, the commit to transaction, what you need to see here is something really helpful, right? Or something really reassuring to say, something's going on, that's completed, you've finished. One of the biggest barriers this I didn't really highlight here is when a transaction has gone through, there's that really uncomfortable period where everything's kind of, kind of trying to sync up together to tell you that that's been successful. And so the scenarios around that are, I've made the payment, my phone's died. What happens then? I've no idea. Or I've made a payment, I step away, and you know, the infrastructure doesn't support some really stupid thing like walking away. So it's not like a chip and pin reader, which people get, because it's a physical thing. You stick it in for the duration of the transaction, your card's in there, and you can see it happening. You take it away, you're pretty confident that's happened, right? In terms of the mobile wallet, the NFC thing, you're just kind of doing this. You think, does it work? Oh yeah, it has, that's fine. But equally on the merchant side, when you're in store, they're this way going, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, I think, yeah, you can go now. And we couldn't really test any of that. If we'd gone and taken this further, I think we would have gone much more into that transactional piece to say, develop a scenario around that, actually, set up a physical space where we can do that, because we've done that before with other projects, and really make it much more engaging to understand that bit. But the registration piece was so heavy, we had to tick that box, and it was a huge box to tick. So if I was to do it again, I'd really focus on that transaction piece, and what happens after that, because it's the virtual cards, what your balance is. We set up virtual cards as part of the registration process, but they weren't called that because we weren't allowed to call them that. So there's all sorts of anomalies of, in terms of the restrictions we had, just in terms of the words we could use to describe things, because the banks wouldn't let us do that. You know, so yeah, it was tricky, it was tricky. Did you find the metaphor of a wallet, or did users find, or participants find the metaphor of a wallet hurtful or helpful? I think it was helpful, frankly. I've struggled to find a better way to describe what this thing is Wallet in of itself is meaningful enough to enough people to describe the concept. But as I said earlier, actually thinking that mobile and wallet, putting those two things together really describes what that thing is, that was unsuccessful, right? Because at the end, I don't really think they understood the capability of it just from the description of it. So going to marketplace with something called a mobile wallet, you really need all that vision stuff from the manufacturers, the educational stuff, that Google do a particularly good job, other people do a particularly bad job. But in terms of evangelizing what the wallet is, I think there's a lot of hard work involved. It helps that someone like Google has got a Google wallet because that's a reference point then. And it's gonna be difficult not to call it that. You know, if you're gonna call it like a contactless or a pay on tap model, or just variations of mobile, tap, go, pay money, just think of six words and rearrange them, and that's the kind of thing which is coming out. But I kind of think wallet, mobile wallet, is as good as it's gonna get, to be honest. Yeah, from a really high level, mobile wallet, that's the mobile phone with money on, they understood that. The slightly deeper context around that, they didn't get, but I think mobile wallet, those two words together, was reasonable, but I'll say that much. Hi.
I was curious about the user testing and the part where you had the respondents sketch out their experience. Yeah. I just, I've never heard of that technique before, so I'm curious what the insights that you hope to get from that were going into the test and whether they panned out. Yeah, we did that at the end. It's just a technique, really, just to try and get them to describe what they think they'd just done. I think the power of it, the beauty of it was they were really unable to articulate that at all. That one I showed you was reasonably good, but most of them just said, no, what the fuck? What's this? Well, I did this, but how's that related to this? I've got absolutely no idea. But I went through the thing you told me to go through. I've never done that before, actually. So that was what Mara took into that testing. She said, no, I've done this before and other stuff. It's a really useful way for us to just, at the end of a session, really gauge what the understanding was. I would do that again, and I have done that again, because I think it's really strong. So there's something which is more conceptual in terms of understanding the thing before going ahead to do the usage pattern. I think it's really quite a strong tool to go, because what you generally do is you go through the scenario, you get the video, you get the quotes, you put a report together that says, at point X they failed. Oh, well, we can go after point X then and try and fix that. That's the much more powerful thing to take to a client and say, look, they just had no idea at all. That's what made that compelling argument. That piece of paper at the end of the hour, go back into the client meeting, we can go, well, there's your problem. They don't get it. You know, so I think it was really strong, and I'd do that again with other folks, so I'd really recommend it. So that's really high, isn't it? Thank you. Hi there, thanks for your talk. I'm fairly new to this. I wondered, what are the different means by which the product information gets in the phone? Is it like scanning the barcode or near field or? Oh, so well, in terms of actual that, what the usage looks like, what the actual physical thing is. Well, these are all NFC enabled phones, so it's all about near field communication. So, well, in this case it is anyway. So we were developing for NFC phones which are just to rely on this tap model, right? So how that happens with a point of sale is wrapped it's attached to a wallet. Um, so yeah, this was all about understanding what this action looks like. You do this. Now what happens, uh, I don't know if your question was about this, what, what actually happens when you do that, what gets transferred, what you see, is that it's an offline process, right? It, it's cached here. You have a certain amount of money here, which the device knows about, and this point of sale thing knows about. And it says, oh, right, you're guaranteed. We'll cover that in any eventuality. So they do that and it's up to 15 pounds, as I said. The system just covers that, says, I'll do that, and what you get back is, thank you very much. You've just spent da-da-da-da-da. Crucially, that doesn't show up on your transaction model because until this process goes and talks to a back-end server somewhere here, which is at the merchant normally, you haven't actually spent that money. So what actually happens is some time later, this sync process goes on in the background and it maps what you've spent on the device and at the store back onto the merchant system here, which then sends it back to your phone. And then you can say, what, my last 10 transactions? And then it appears. And there's certain things they can't tell you about that either, certainly in the system that we were working with. They can tell you the amount, but they can't tell you when specifically. They can tell you a vague range because they don't know when you did this. They just know when it got back there. So they can't tell you the time. Um, but were you also asking about kind of things which were like upsell, cross-sell stuff or anything attached to it? Or was it really about what happens when you commit the transaction? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's disjointed. It's not instant. 
you know, you're not spending, you are spending money, but it's not coming out of an account. Now, this is the way this infrastructure was set up. Ideally, and what people's mental model was, is I'm doing this, it's coming straight out of my account somewhere. This is one of the biggest trouble with virtual money. There's this thing in the middle which says you've nearly spent it, you haven't quite spent it. At some point later, you would have spent it, but here you have, so you can't spend it again here. And that kind of bizarre, disjointed chain of events, which I think is what kind of confuses people. And that's why the virtual card is really odd. What you really want to see is your own bank card in there, right? And some of them do that. But if you don't, if people rely on this virtual card kind of model, I think that's what really confuses people. And so you have to make that transaction, that feedback really strong to understand what's going on. Uh, we didn't achieve that here at all because it was a bit rubbish, really. Um, but yeah, I think that's where you need to make sure that it's really obvious what's going on. If you understand the concept of virtual money, then I think you're all right with it. But yeah, it was a challenge just to, just to communicate what's going on, to be honest. Just about at time. Okay, yeah, so we're out of time here because we need to make room for other people. But if you've, if you've got further questions, thank you. <laughs>